Island preacher tonight. I don't know, but please turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. We have entered into a study on our basic beliefs, what we believe as children of God. We talked about how we're saved and we know it. We have assurance. And then last week we talked about security that we have in our Savior. I have security in my Savior. And I said last week we're going to talk about it again. There's two phases to this security. So I'll just call this one tonight, I still have security in my Savior. Last week we shared eight points from eight passages in the Bible that we establish what we believe on in the fact that we have security. I mean, we, it comes from the Bible. That, that's where we get it. That's, that's where we say we have security. I, I don't say we have security because Grandpa was a Baptist and that's what he believes. Uh, we, we believe it by what the Bible says. Um, and, you know, and I'll just tell you right now, there are people in, that meet in other places and maybe they have a completely opposite message. I, I mean, I don't know if they, they come right out and teach this, but there very well could be a message by someone of, of an opposite belief that would say four reasons why we do not have security in the salvation that Jesus provided. I don't know, but, but overall, someone could say something opposite from the same book. And the issue with that is that there are, there, are not, there are no conflictions in the Bible. There is nothing that contradicts itself in the Bible. No contradictions whatsoever. So, so, you know, with people that believe something different, it's not like, okay, well, you see it from this angle, and that's what you believe, and, and, and I see it from this angle, that's what I believe. Who knows? God knows. I believe we're all going to be good in heaven one day. Well, you know, someone is going to be right, and someone is going to be wrong if, if there are two different beliefs. I, I guess both could be wrong, depending on the subject and and if both of them are just wrong, but, and they, they both miss the point. But both cannot be right if, if, if their beliefs are opposite. There's no doubt about that. And so one, most likely one is going to be right, and one is going to be wrong. When it comes to reading and learning the Word of God, that is something for every single one of us to do. And look, take the Bible... For exactly what it's saying, simply, unless it says something that appears to be different in another place. Because as you're reading, and you have have something that sounds like this, and you have something that sounds opposite as you get down the road in another book of the Bible or another chapter, it's not going to be opposite because there's no contradictions, right? So that's the point where you and I have to study, have to, we should want to, it's a privilege to study 
God's word. But we but we really, really need to study these things that appear to be contradictory. There there is the one number one most important book for every Christian to have. And you know what it is. God's holy word, the Bible. And I believe the the second most important book that that a Christian can have and 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 should get is a strong concordance of the Bible. That is a book that defines every word in the Bible back in the original language. And and so we need that. We need to be able to study words to see what something means. Because because the Bible is for everyone to be able to understand it. And, And many and most things are exactly how you read them. But there are some things that you will read and you will think it means this or you will think it means that. And it, it doesn't. It means something else. And, and so we've got to study on these things whenever there appears to be a contradiction. And, and we will figure out which one means what it look like, looks like it means and which one means something different. And there's no contradiction then. And, and the Bible says one big beautiful puzzle that every piece goes into place. We can't take a certain verse and just hang our hat on it and, and just cram it somewhere in place. It all fits beautifully. It's, it's God's word. The Bible does not teach eternal security in salvation and loss of salvation. It doesn't teach both of those. It can't. That would be contradictory to one another. So let's look at the scripture tonight. And and what we talked about last week, we would share this week, are those scriptures that people use and they say, this means you can lose your salvation. Now, we just brought out eight sets of passages last week that grounded us in our security. So what do we do about verses that appear to say something different? Well, the first one here in 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22. um, Lose your cover, not your conversion. You can lose your cover, but not your conversion. What in the world does that mean? Well, let's read this and see. Verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ... They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. These verses do not teach that one can be saved and then be lost. They do bring to mind something that you and I may have seen in people before. Um, You know, those who get in a church routine. 
There are those who get in church. They start attending church. It might be a New Year's resolution. They might want to turn over a new leaf. They, they just uh, are in this place where they want to feel like they're a better person. And, and they want to start getting active. And they do. And they, they're looking for a fresh start. They're not looking for a new heart. But they want a fresh start. Okay, and, and, and there's a difference. I mean, on the outside, someone can look like they're making all the right choices. But really on the inside, they remain unchanged. There are those who will look spiritual, but their soul is really lost. Maybe it's time, a, a good minute for that joke that just came to my mind. Um, fake pot, what do you call a fake pasta? Imposta, imposter. There are those who are imposters of the faith. And they do not intend to join the faith. Some people want to be religious. People think they have their cake and they eat it too if they're just religious. And they live a certain way in the world and they come and acknowledge God. And, and that's what they want. And look, they're an, they're an imposter though, okay? Because they will come in and they will hear the word of God. They will sit and listen to the teachings of Christ. And they will not talk against them to you. They, they don't really contribute in it. But they won't talk against it to you. Uh, it, but they will not step out of their re- religious routine. Into a believing relationship. Yeah, Judas Iscariot. Judas followed Jesus. He professed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He was baptized. He was the the likable kind of treasure type of the group of the disciples. And and I mean, he he went about through the motions of Christian service and Christian fellowship with the disciples. But he ended up betraying Jesus. And he repented with worldly sorrow, not godly sorrow. And then the Bible says that he went and he hanged himself. He ran in this circle of the disciples and Christians with a Christian vocabulary. uh, But he wasn't born again. He practiced religion, but he was never redeemed. He never came into a relationship. You know, people can copy Christianity for a while. I've seen them do it, and, and maybe you have too. But they can't keep on continuously. My dad has a, another saying he used to say, and that is, you can paint the well whatever color you want, but eventually the true water is going to flow. And that's the person that we have here. This is a person in Adam. Someone in Adam... Will, will never overcome their sin nature. And, and I speak of Adam as Adam was the first man. And, and, and he passed on sin to every single one. Okay, and so we're all cursed by the sin of Adam. We all have a sin nature because of good old Uncle Adam. And some people want to do the best they can as Adam. Granddaddy said they just want to polish up old Adam. And be the best that they can in their own ability. But they will never overcome the sin nature in Adam. Only in Christ 
can one overcome the sin nature? Peter is not speaking of someone in Christ here. He is speaking of someone in Adam here. And he goes on to speak of a dog. And he goes on to speak of the pig in verse 22. Man, the life of dogs today. Man, they, they eat hamburgers and tacos and pizza and chicken nuggets. And they, they lay on the couch and they watch TV. And they go to the door when someone knocks to greet them. And they even sleep in the bed at night. Nobody's going to admit that probably. But somebody snuggles with their dog in the night. And, and these dogs are, are like people now. But you know what? Ultimately, they're not. A dog is a dog. Dog's always going to be a dog. People will pay a considerable amount of money more for their flooring in their house. If it's the type of flooring that will hold up to a dog being a dog and doing what a dog does on that floor. <laughs> huh? Cousin Steve says something to the effect of this. A dog's going to be a dog. You can do whatever you want to a dog, but that dog's going to be a dog. You can bathe up a pig. You can put foo-foo juice on that pig. You can dress it up just as pretty as you want. But just as soon as that pig can get to the mud, he is headed to the mud and he will eat the worst slop, the worst smelling slop. My neighbor used to pour beer in the pig's slop. I mean, it was the most disgusting looking and smelling stuff. That pig loved it. And no, no matter how pretty you make your pig, it, that's what it wants. That's where it's going to go. And what are we saying by all this? What, what's the meaning of all this? A person can adopt some new habits. A person can, can do the best they can. They can put on a religious show without being redeemed. It happens and people do it. And, and it will show up that they are unchanged and they are still dominated by the sin nature. None of us are perfect, but there is a change in power. Look, we are saved from the penalty of sin and we are being saved from the power of sin and one day from the presence of sin. But we're, we're being saved from the power of sin right now. The saved have been changed. We're not trying to turn over a new leaf. We've received new life in Christ. We are not trying to be reformed. We have been transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ and His salvation. We're not trying to get a new start. We're not trying to be somebody new. We are somebody new in Christ. We are no longer who we were. We're no longer who we used to be. The old me is running so close behind me and always wanting to catch up and always wanting to take over what I used to be. I mean, I just feel like I'm one inch in front of, I'm, I feel like I'm the matador one inch in front of the bull all the time because that old me 
you know, we're crucified with Christ. That old sin nature's crucified, Romans 6 says. And Granddaddy said, I've never seen somebody raised from the dead so fast in all my life. Because that old sin nature is there trying to take us over. But we're a new creature in Christ. And these verses speak of those who lose their cover. The impasta. If, if it's a cheesy joke, it might make you remember what we're talking about here. This is talking about the impasta, okay? It's talking about someone losing their cover, but not their conversion. Let's go to another set of passages in Matthew 24 and verses 11 through 13. It's an effect, not effort. It's an effect, not effort. Matthew 24 and 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And some would say, see there, see, I told you, you can't be sure because you have to endure. And you don't know the future. You don't know if you're going to endure or not. So you're not sure whether you can lose your salvation or not, some might say. And that way of thinking, my friends, is Christianity in reverse. Because we do not endure to be saved. We are able to endure because we are saved. It's not about you and I enduring the best we can and hoping we make it. Look, when the Lord said to, to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith uh, fail not. Look, Satan did Sift him like wheat a few times. And he's done that to you and I a few times. Peter fell. And we have fallen too. But our faith didn't fall. There's a difference in that. Look, Peter fell. But his faith didn't. Man, people thought I was crazy. That it was so hard to quit my, quit my job in the world. Oh, you know, some years ago. Man, I loved my job at Bluebell. I guess a lot of other people do too because about 60% of the people have been there 25 years and, and going. Man, I love my job there. But I looked around at some men that had been around there 25 plus years and a great number of them had had back surgery. And, and they knew I ran my route as fast as I could because as soon as you're done, you get to go home. Man, I went home with frost on my mustache. I was working my job fast and somebody said, you're next for back surgery. And, and this one guy explained it to me the way the doctor explained it to him. He said, I want you to picture your back as if you have a lot of rubber bands running through your back. And you lift and you stretch and you're moving around all day. It was like a ridiculously physically active job. And, and you do this all day and these rubber bands, they just stretch and they stretch as you move and as you twist and as you lift. And one day, one of them is going to pop. One of them is going to snap. And, and you're going to be done. And you're going to have to have back surgery. You know, we, we have strayed. 
Christians roam sometimes and, and get out of the will of God. But I'm telling you, there's this, there's this spiritual rubber band, if you will, that is made out of this, this heavenly material. And it doesn't snap. And it does not break. But the connection is kept from our Father to you and I. And though in the straying, and though in the roaming, I mean, it may get tight and we may get away. But, but I want you to think about it in the concept of this rubber band like somebody told me about my back. Aren't you glad that when the temptation of sin comes over you, which is all the time, it comes over us all the time, aren't you glad that there's that pressure there? Aren't you glad that, that there's a tension there? That, that you're able just to be drawn back. That you might not venture into that. Or when we go out astray and we're, we go out to the mud and the mire, we, we just can't get our footing there. Not like, not like when I was lost. I, I mean, we just can't get our footing there because there's, there's a drawing of our Father and it, just to choose to leave that temptation or to get out of that sin and to come back to him. He stays connected and he draws us back. The prodigal, he, he just couldn't stay in that pig pen any longer. He thought about his father's house. And he, he thought about how good it was right there. And he just had to go back. He couldn't stay. Endurance is not effort to be saved. It's the effect of being saved. We can endure because we're saved. And I'll invite you now to turn over to John chapter 15 and verse 5. We'll call this, it's fruit bearing, not the believer's fatality. John fifteen five. Jesus says, and, and go with me through this and listen through this and look at your Bible through this. Um, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. And they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Let me explain it like this. We're not breaking down words and we're not going into word studies in Greek language and Hebrew tonight. We can do that. We can do that on this stuff anytime you want. I, I've tried to make a focus of, of just talking about this very simply. I've asked the Lord to help me to make this very simply. So let me, let me get started with this like in this situation. Uh, when my daughter was a senior, she had a senior trip planned to Florida. And this planning went on for several months. 
and uh, the financials and the flight and the school got all of that stuff together and there were things we were to get together and there was a lot of organizing that went on for a couple of months and the day finally came and I don't know if I packed the car the night before or early, early the morning of, but we leave early and we head down to Bush Airport. And, and so we're driving and we pass Lee Road and I'm going, wait, we're coming into a big spaghetti bowl here. Where in the world is the drop off? Get the paperwork out. What's happening? And the paperwork comes out and it says on the paperwork, Hobby Airport. You can't be late for a flight. First thing I do is punch in the GPS and it's 47 minutes away. And I mean, all of the details were in place, but we had the wrong airport. I say that to say this. Some believe that these verses are talking about salvation when they're really talking about fruit bearing. This is not... Salvation Airport. Some have flown into Salvation Airport with these verses. But it's really across town at Fruit Bearing Airport. And so we have to get the subject right. According to the context. Look of what's being said here. Okay. Because the subject of the text. Is not the way of salvation. But works in salvation. These verses are about the bearing of fruit. They're not about they're not about the child of God and the believer's salvation. It's not about the believer's fatality of their faith. Look, for a Christian to fulfill their God-given purpose, it will be by the Lord comes to live within, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And from out of us is to blossom the things of God and the works of God. And to show that we're saved. Nothing better than, than growing some tomato plants or, or my sister-in-law's lemon tree or grapefruit tree. And just seeing fruit all over it. Man, it's, it looks like it's doing the max of what it's supposed to so many times. And that is our purpose. To be here and to live in the will of God, to do the works of God, to witness of Jesus Christ, and to bring glory to our God. That is our purpose after salvation. That is why we're here right now and we're not in heaven. Because we're to glorify God and to bear fruit. If we don't spiritually mature, if we don't grow strong... If we don't bear fruit, look, we, we could be benched in this life. Granddad said, I don't know about you, but I want to play on God's A-team. I want to be first string. I don't, I don't want to set the bench. But we will if we don't mature and we don't grow up and do spiritually what we're to do. We could be benched. We could be brought home early. I mean, if we don't know how to act here... And what to do here, he could just bring us home. I used to go over to Wayne's every now and then across the street. And if my mom didn't approve of what she saw going, I, I guess I would go across the street, little kid, and I thought I was out of sight from, from here to the other side of the doors there. But mama wouldn't approve. She didn't like it when we put the boxing gloves on 
in between the houses with a chain link fence and, and people standing back here and you were trapped in and you were just slugging away. Mama didn't like that violence. She, she wasn't like that. So she would bring me home. Hey, if you don't know how to act over there, I'm going to bring you home. And, and look, that's the same thing that, that happens with God's people sometimes. We, we don't know anything about it. I think about a friend. I think about a friend who, before I was saved, I, I really never even thought about the Lord or the things of the Lord, but I started hanging out with my brother, and my brother hung out with this guy. And, and then after a couple of weeks of this guy hanging out with us and doing the things we were doing, which it wasn't good, I hear that he uh, taught Sunday school to kids at First Baptist Church at Galena Park. And I'm like, wow, I went there about a dozen times. I went to VBS. Yeah, I went to VBS over there. Wow. And I got to thinking. I never thought about spiritual things too much. At least I don't, I don't recollect that I did. But I remember in that moment, wow, he's, he's hanging out with us and doing what we're doing on Friday and Saturday. And then he's going and he's teaching Sunday school on Sunday. And one thing led to another, and I'm not going to go into detail. And I don't know the details all I know is, to my mind, to the mind of many, it was really strange how that auto accident actually killed him. Now, I'm not saying I know that the Lord took his child home, but we, we know in Scripture that it's very possible, and, and he can do that. We can be benched, we can brought home er, be brought home early. And what's definitely going to happen is we're going to suffer loss as a result of our unacceptable works. There's, there's more fire than the fire of hell. There's the fire at the judgment seat of Christ, which will try our works of wood, hay, and stubble, and gold, silver, and precious stone. And the wood, hay, and stubble is going to make quite a big fire. And, the, and the, the precious stone and the jewel, it's going to be refined through the fire. But there is going to be a fire one day for the Christian, at the Christian's judgment. 1 Corinthians 3.15 says, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. These verses are a wake-up call for the Christian to fulfill their purpose and to bear fruit in life. They're, they're a warning for the Christian not to be careless and to be weak and to be unfocused in fruit-bearing. To not bear fruit is to suffer loss in heaven, not to lose heaven. Okay, last one, it's rejecting, not being rejected. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, and I'd really like you to look at these verses with me. Hebrews 6, 4 through 9. For it is impossible... For those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost 
and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you And things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. These may be, I saved, maybe the best for last of those who believe you can lose your salvation. These are the select, the choice verses, I, I, I reckon, for those who believe you can lose your salvation. They're the big enchilada, if you will. For, for people who believe this a certain way. They, th- these verses are given credit for having the greatest clarity that one indeed can lose their salvation. First of all, and I hate to do this, but I'm going to do it because I see it so clearly in here. First of all, let's go ahead and entertain that angle from just a second. Let's go ahead and entertain that angle That these verses mean that. That you can lose your salvation. There's something very, very clear in this from that angle. And that is, if you could lose it, it would be impossible to get it back again. Yet, yet those that believe that this means you can lose your salvation, you know... They do whatever they do that makes them right with the Lord wherever they are. And then they roam, but then they do come back and they're considered good. Anyway, let's get out of that hypothetical and let's just look at the heavenly truth that we have here. Because when we go from the imaginary in this to the reality of this, we see that this speaks of those who have been presented with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which Paul says is the power of God unto salvation. And people are presented with this gospel, and they're like the deer in the headlights. They are stopped in their tracks. They are clearly convicted of their sin. They are convicted of their need. They understand their lost condition and that hell is before them any moment. I mean, life's uncertain when we leave here tonight. And so, and so when, you know, for someone to get saved, they must first realize that they're lost. And so this is someone who realizes that they're lost and hell is before them. Maybe they have spent time in the worship service. They have sat in the sanctuary of God while God's people have worshipped. And they have sang praises to God's holy name. And they have heard the word of God. And, and maybe there, there have even been some gatherings, some Christian 
fellowship gatherings they've gone to. And it's undeniable that the people of God are different to them than the people of the world. It is very real to them that the Lord is living in these people and has made them alive and they see their very need. As I, as I talk like that, I can't help but remember my own self. And I don't know why I've been given testimony so much lately and that a lot of it's the same. That six months that I sat in church, I sat there as if I loved the Word of God. I went to these People's houses where there weren't things to drink, which is the only party I had ever been to. And I'm like, what kind of party is this? That's Coca-Cola. And, and, and so I'm going here, though, and I'm seeing something very good. And, and I'm, I'm liking it, okay? And, and, so, and so, okay, long, let's fast forward to that morning. That, that I was saved because I had been setting in on ministries with a couple of guys and they weren't able to teach the kids because I'm constantly asking them questions. And so one thing led to another and, and June 20, 2004, right there in Sunday school that morning, I was saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's say, but let's say that, that, that I had come to that moment, but there was just some sin that I that I just I just decided I, I wasn't going to I wasn't willing, let's say, to turn from my sins in turning to the Savior. Or let's say something tragic happened in my family to a family member of mine. And I had been sitting in church for six months. And I understand that God is in control of everything. And He can change anything He wants. And He let that happen. So in that moment, I say, you know what? I think I have some questions for God one day when I stand before him. Before I accept. I mean, I'm drawn right there. But I resist the Holy One of Israel. You can resist salvation, by the way. You can resist the drawing of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you couldn't resist it, everyone would be saved. Because God died for all. Okay? All right, if that were my story that I just changed up at the end, that's this person. That's this person that is drawn right to the doorway of salvation. And salvation is free, but they're not willing to pay a price. They love their sin more than the Savior, more than coming to the Savior. Rather than trust the promise of God, they're focused on their pain of something they know that this God has allowed in their life. And so they will not be ushered in to salvation. I had to go out of town the other day and I went to an ice cream shop. I almost didn't. And man, that would have been bad because I've had a blizzard. I've had a blast. I've had a McFlurry. It was nothing like this. It blew those things away. I'm so glad it had that, that, that doppel of chocolate in the middle because it messed it up for Shelly. So she ate a little around the sides, and I got the whole big cup of it. I'm telling you, I, I can't believe how good this stuff is. 
I tell you where it is, everybody's going to drive out of town after church, huh? Three hours. Um, and, and I bought it, and I had a cup, and I ate it. But let's, let's change, I'm changing stories tonight. Let, let's say that I went inside, and they gave me this little sample spoon that a mouse could use. You know, I mean, somebody probably loses maybe $6 a year on how little that sample is. But, but let's say I, I get this little sample spoon, and I get this little taste, and I can tell that, man, it is good this is so good, and I see the different sizes up there, and I see a small, how much would, I, how much would it take? If that, if that small 8-ounce cup was over $7, I wouldn't pay the price. No matter how good it was, I mean, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't pay the price. And some people... Get that taste, if you will, of being in the midst of the things of God and the people of God and the power of the preaching. Yet they won't pay the price within themselves. They won't be willing to turn from their sin and turn from the Savior. The price is too high. They won't choose the Savior over sin. They won't embrace the promise, but focus on their pain. So they are not willing to turn from the polluted passions of the old sin nature or swallow their pride. Oh, how pride is such a tool of the devil that helps to keep people from coming to salvation in Jesus Christ. And they make a clear decision to reject God's holy salvation through his precious son. And this person may not have the opportunity to ever be saved again. We, we don't know who that is. Don't ever stop witnessing to anybody but they won't have that opportunity again. This is not about the saved being rejected and losing their salvation. It's the danger of one rejecting the Lord's salvation. Once you are saved, you are saved forever. That is the quality and that is the characteristic of, of this product of salvation. It passes any and all inspections, foolproof of everything. You have security in Christ, which means you always have an ongoing reason to rejoice in your Savior in your salvation for the rest of your life. If you're listening tonight or if you're here and you're not saved, I, I do hope these verses scare you to death. I really do. If they do, that, that's, that's an issue going on in your soul and that's the love of God reaching out to you. Because though I hope you're scared to death, I hope you will have all your fears and your troubles and your uncertainties calmed tonight by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the security that you will experience and you having 
all of your sins forgiven. Well, last week we said, I am, I have security in my Savior. And this week we have gone through some passages that many say you can lose your salvation. And after going through them, we say we still have security in our Savior. Brother Rick Morris, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight? Father, Lord, I thank you for our great salvation that we have. I thank you, dear God, Lord, that it was accomplished on the cross of Calvary, that everything that was required for us to go to heaven was took care of on the cross of Calvary. And then, dear God, Lord, that you sought us out through the power of your Holy Spirit, using maybe brothers and sisters and Christ people around us, but you brought us to an understanding of our need for Christ our lost condition, and then, dear God, that you saved our souls. And, Father, Lord, that we have a security that can be confident in because it had nothing to do with us. It had everything to do with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Lord God, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, dear God, Lord, for the ministry of the church and what a blessing it is to be a member of one of your Lord's churches. And, Lord God, to be able to serve you and to worship you and to minister to others through it. I pray, dear God, Lord, that you put your hand of protection upon this church. I ask you, dear God, Lord, to be with our sick. I ask you especially to be with Brother David and Miss Bev, and Lord God, raise them up, and Lord God, I ask you now tonight, if you would, to give us all a safe trip home. I ask you, dear God, Lord, to forgive us of our sins, and we'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.